Welcome to Solutions, where men come out of the shadows to testify, giving tips in manhood, honor the codes of integrity, and give out real solutions for soul survival. Today, I would like to welcome a man to the show with many, many stories of knowledge, a strong-willed man of integrity. Please give it up for Jawa. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for uh, having me. Let's get right into it. Let's get right into it. What person did you meet or see that gave you the drive towards the man you are today? What or who defined you? What person did I meet? Uh, that would have to be both my biological father, Baba Maurice, and that would have to be my non-biological father, my pops, Linwood. Both of those two men uh, helped shape me in going from boyhood to manhood. Well, can you talk about some of those lessons they gave you? Do you remember any gems they might have given you that you can share with us today? Yep, thank you. So uh, my, my father, I'll refer to him, my biological father, uh, he used to say to me when I was a little boy, son, sometimes the best thing for you to do is to make a 180 degree turn and walk the other way. He said, because you don't have control over what other people are thinking and are doing. And sometimes it's best for you to just leave. You just leave. Don't worry about them leaving, you leave. And then he would say, people gonna do what people gonna do. And at the time that he would say those things, they seem overly simplified. But brother, when you go and you experience life and you go through certain situations, circumstances, and or conditions, those seemingly oversimplified phrases and the words, in some instances, will save your life. Will save your life. I absolutely, I absolutely agree with what he told you. Can you give us a small story where you applied those techniques and now in the hindsight of it all, you now say, hey, I made it. Yep. So, you know, the other half or the complimenting self of a man is a woman and Oftentimes, men and women, I mean, people in general, but I'm speaking in this particular instance, since it feels a bit personalized, a man and a woman can look at the exact same thing, and yet they see something from two totally different perspectives. And energy can get very high, emotions can get high, temperaments can flare, heartbeats can increase, you know, things of this nature. And the lesson that Baba Maurice gave me was to turn 180 degrees and go the other way. And sometimes that was the best thing that I could have done to ensure that I could come back and we can revisit whatever the disagreement was at that moment. And given time, we would find out that that disagreement where temperaments increased, heart rates increased, it was not that big of a deal after all. And we able to see another day, mend those wounds, grow from it and move forward. That's interesting you say that, uh, you apply that technique with someone you have a problem with or someone that you think might have a problem because you can't control what someone's reactions are. So you apply that method of just backing away and coming back when you can think with a clear head. It's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, we want to say shout out to Baba Maurice and Mr. Linwood for that. Yes. I have a question. Do you have a vision board? Not 
a physical vision board the way that I've seen them marketed and displayed. I have a mental vision board and I do a lot of writing of those things that I desire and or plan on attaining. But the vision boards that I've seen where you cut out pictures of things and put them on a poster board or things of that nature, no, I don't have those. Well, talk to me about that mental vision board. Can you give us a little insight of what one of your apexes are and what apex that you did achieve and what apex are you trying to achieve? Oh man, that's a great question. So, um, years ago, and I didn't even realize it because time moves so fast, especially when you are moving in time. Time moves fast, especially when you are moving in time. When you are static or stagnant, time seems to stand still. But when you are in motion, Listen now, when you were in motion, you were in motion with time. So I bring to your question, this response. I would post on my Facebook page, 10K in 90 days, 10K in 30 days. And it was about me saying, This is a number that I can see myself. I can visualize myself attaining. And I would put it in there. And people would ask me, are you doing those type of numbers? And I I would not respond except to say that if this is what you want to do, then you go do it. I'm merely saying this is something that may be done. Do you know that as time passed on, I found myself generating that type of income within that period of time. And it did not even, it didn't even resonate to me until I saw the memories on Facebook pop up and I said, wait a minute, check this out. So brother Sheen, now what I'm doing, I put a hundred K in 30 days. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and people are still asking me, is that how much you make? Are you do, you know, what, what you trying to sell? And I don't even respond. If it resonates with you, then replicate it and move forward. Let me clarify for some of the people listening. He's not talking about running. <laughs> 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 but he is talking about running. You understand what I'm saying? And, uh, so, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So, I just wanted to conclude on that point that the the vision board is in one's mind. I'll write it down on index cards. What the goal is, the reason for the goal, the why behind it, and I put my mind on it. There was a period, you know. Let's talk about other material things. One of the material things that I have a desire for is the Bentley Musan, which is the flagship Bentley. And I pictured the black Bentley Musan. Do you know at the time that I started to picture and envision myself in that car, I would see that car. Now that car costs anywhere from two to $400,000. But here's the real kicker. I would see the car in different states that I was traveling in, in Texas, in Los Angeles, California, in Atlanta, Georgia, in Wilmington, Delaware. (laughs) When you, I I get quiet in my own mind because I think of how significant and how powerful that energy is and the influence that we have in and over our own lives when we choose. I mean, it's happening one way or the other. Let's let's pivot right there. Talk to me about okay. how you, you got to that mindset to start to have universal talk, to start to speak to the okay. universe. Where did you get that from? Like so many people right now can hear you speak about that, but we need to know how you made it to that. Yeah. Um, 
I am almost not wanting to say to make sure that I say it correctly. Each of us have the influence and the power to do that thing. What makes one special is recognizing that power and then making a concerted effort to seek out the science and wisdom of doing a thing. I want to repeat that. Each of us have the power and influence. It's there. It's like if you have legs, you can walk. You know, as long as you have the apparatus with the vocal cords and the vocal box and that sort of thing, and a tongue, cheeks and mouth, you can talk. That same thought process, that same pattern, that mechanism is in every human being. Being, that's what you are being. What I did unknowing to me as a child was that I honed in on the skill early on. So it's a very specific point. I grew up with a severe speech impediment. I stuttered. I, I would talk like this. I mean, I stuttered to the point that my mother, Miss Mona, took me to one of the specialists when I was a child in the state of California to see how some form of correction would come of my speech. And children would laugh at me because children do those kind of things. I made it up in my mind as a child that one day I would speak eloquently without reservation or hesitation at the drop of a thought of a dime. And that I would be able to use the English language as my play field to verbally destroy someone without using one profound word in the sentence and or paragraph. So it started then and it just grew over time. Each of us possesses that skill. Most of us do not use it for our betterment and empowerment. You're rolling me right through my questions and I appreciate that. My next question was going to be how early did you start goal setting? But that unique story alone, how you overcame a, a stutter and overcame bullying from that and overcame the fact that you can focus your mind on being the God-like person inside of you for your light to shine even further. It's all about what you feed, right? What will grow. And that's what people yes. need to understand. We have so many different branches or roots inside of us and some of us are force-fed different things to grow the wrong side of our mentalities and you early on miss mona your mother yes she fed, she fed you the right source of right fruit but with those goals and those situations tell me what did you sacrifice to reach those goals you know, truth is, I don't know that I actually sacrificed anything. I think instead, I gained a certain amount of self-discipline and focus that when I truly desire something, I'll put my mind and my heart into it. And then I'll back it by physical action. So in the example that I gave of a child, a boy having a speech impediment, I then learned that there were certain words, certain syllables that I would say that would cause me to stutter. So for instance, instead of saying car, I would say k -k 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 -k. So I knew that that word, that letter C, sounding would cause me to stutter. So I said to myself, what's another word for car? I said, oh, automobile. What happens though is when you substitute those words, 
you then sound different because people are not accustomed to using the word automobile in their everyday conversation. So you say, oh, I like that automobile. And they say, why don't you just say car? Well, I didn't have time to explain to people why I didn't say car. I just know I like that automobile. You know, that automobile is mine. I want a black automobile. <laughs> so later on, all those things that were planted in me through that experience came forth in the three-step success system that we call TPE, think, plan, execute. Think about what you want to do, plan out how you're going to do it, and execute doing it. Take physical action. The thinking was making a decision that I was going to speak fluently. The planning was then researching going through a dictionary in a thesaurus in my quiet time by myself without my parents knowing, looking up new words, planning on what I was going to do, and then executing, using those new words, expanding my vocabulary that gave me verbal gymnastics, thinking, planning, executing. Later on, I came up as an adult with think, plan, execute. And right now we are thinking and we are planning. We are executing this podcast as we speak and I am enjoying it. Indeed so. Indeed so. <laughs> you are so right. A lot of people don't use the word automobile. But it's sort of like when you speak of that approach, it makes me think of chess. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with the game, but there are many different strategies which you can approach certain things. And I think a lot of people are running into that pivot because... I believe with technology, a lot of us are forgetting how to spell. So we do certain things like, let's take the word congratulations. A lot of people write congrats because they don't know how to spell congratulations. <laughs> right? So they pivot and they right. find different ways. But you yourself took your godlike energy and created a new pattern. And I hope people learn from that, that they can use different words or different situations to come around to the same recipe. And you can be mm. by doing it. Indeed. Indeed. Let's get a little personal if you don't mind. Think, plan, execute. Throughout that series of steps that you take to execute that plan, what was your lowest moment where you applied that plan? And we're talking lowest moment here. And you have to, if you feel like it, please let us know how you got up from your lowest moment when you thought, planned, and executed to get out. Because we all hit a wall. My lowest moment was not long ago when I found myself homeless, sleeping on a park bench near a river, getting eaten up by mosquitoes. Mm. I was going through a time mentally, spiritually, emotionally, financially, physically. And the walls of my life came crumbling and crashing down. And then I found myself in a homeless man's shelter. And as I looked around, it's like, uh, What's the, the fella that got knocked, knocked out not too long ago in the ring? <laughs> Nate Robinson. Nate Robinson. Love you, brother. <laughs> we love you. My son, my son, young King Aiden was next to me. He said, Baba? I said, yes. Is that man dead? <laughs> I was thinking to myself, I hope he ain't dead because it's going to be messed up. You're explaining this to my son. But I said, no, son, he just... uh." He's sleeping a little bit, you know, <laughs> but I bring up Nate because that's seemingly how my life was. I got hit. Boom. Mm. I'm stumbling around. I get up. Boom. Get hit again. Stumbling around. And then that second hit, when you looked at Nate's face, you knew his spirit got taken out of him at that time. It was this. If you look at his face, go back and watch it. That second hit, when he hit the canvas, he lost the fight then. Mm -hmm. 
it was the third knockout that was the final straw, but he lost the fight when he got knocked down the second time. Look at his face. And that's what happened to me. And I said, damn, I'm in a homeless shelter, man. What is going on here? And I literally had to rebuild myself. I don't know your age or if you are familiar with the the bionic man. But the bionic man was built and he, in the beginning of the series, they say, you know, something like make him stronger, faster, smarter than he ever was. That was me. I I was being rebuilt. Mm. In essence, I was being reborn. Mm. And you talking about, in the book, you say, Lazarus, rise up. That was me, man. Mm. Jawaria, rise up. Because I was in a dead state. I was out. I was knocked out. I was out for the count. So you but I you... knew that. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, no. Please, please continue. I knew that that was not my permanent condition. But if it is if it is to be, it is up to me. Don't matter who I pray to. If I don't take the prayer and put some practical application behind it, my prayer can only take me so far. My plan can only take me so far if I'm just thinking about it. I had to put things in motion. I had to execute. I had to take physical action. Uh And it was a humbling experience. If you can give us, if you can give us maybe your first three steps that you took out of that situation, the first three that you took, I know you had to recognize where you were first, but the actual plans of, of action, after you had the re- the resurrection of thought of your circumference, what were you? I, yeah, I had to I had to find a a job to get some kind of money coming in because I got tired of asking people for money, and, and so I had to go to the basics. I did whatever it took legally, morally, and ethically to find work. That was the first thing because I needed regular money. I got two children, mm-hmm. twins, and I'll be damned if I was going to let my children see me in a dead state in that manner. Mm-hmm. So I had to, I had to take whatever job I legally that would work for me to work, and that's what I did. So you got the job. What was the next step after that? Whenever I wasn't working and I wasn't seeing my children, I was looking for another job because it wasn't enough money, but it had to be something coming in because I needed something to occupy my time to give me back some mm, something to do, some mm, something to do. So I I was looking for another job. It was like, use this as a stepping stone. Uh And I know we don't have a, a lot of time but somewhere in that mix, I had to get a credit card because I, I had to leave from where, where I was to go to another place. And in order for me to get back to see my children, I needed a rental car to buy an airplane ticket. So I saved up my money. I applied for two credit cards. I had a strategy. I had a, a coach, Coach Hector. He said, listen, brother, put this amount of money to the side. Apply for the credit cards. If you are denied, they're going to say, get the secure card. Be prepared to get the secure card. And that's what I did. Getting those credit cards allowed me the ability to rent a car to see my children. It allowed me to buy a plane ticket to get on a plane to come see my children. 
and I'm going to pause for a second, stick a pen in it. Do you know where I am right now talking to you? I'm in front of the school to get my children because my children are with me. Mm. Do you hear me? I hear you. They with me. Mm. I take my children all over this country we travel. Las Vegas, California, Atlanta, Georgia. We done been to Texas. We done been to, man, I, New York. I, I take my children with me to expose them, to show them. And you know that that's, I'm happy you brought that up because one of my questions I like to ask everyone is how important is it to leave where you're from to develop your self? to know where you're going, to see new things. And I, and I commend you for taking your kids around to meet the different dialects of people, the different work ethics of people, just the difference in people throughout the United States. And I'm sure one day will also be the world. Talk to me about how important it is to travel, to expand your circumference. Baba Maurice. took me on my first plane ride. And he took me on many of my travels when I was a boy that made it easier for me to travel as an adult because of my exposure. Mm. And he would say one of, if not the best teacher is exposure. Okay, so. I'm going to lean on my daddy. I'm going to take some of that, give it to my children. So they traveling at a younger age than when I started traveling. And I got two of them, twins. So when we go places, not only are they able, when those family members are there, to meet additional family members and know of them, they are putting that all into their circumference of knowledge. So when they're in school and they're learning about states, they say, oh, California, I've been there. Oh, Texas, oh, I've been there. Oh, New York, oh, I've been there. Oh, Atlanta, oh, I've been there. And they have experiences that they can relate that helps them with the mathematics because when we are traveling, they're asking questions and I'm impregnating their mind that every single thing is math. How can you not like something that's in and of you and you have to use whether you understand it or not? I tell them about the time, the distance, the traveling, the ruler and the calculations and the money and the, all that plays. It's an entire process. It's not just going from the airport to the airport. It's everything that goes along with it, the process, the system, and they're seeing things. Oh, look at that person. Look at that person. Look at that. Oh, they talk different. They dress and unique. Oh, no, no, I want to do this. I want to do it. And their recall because of the experiences. Oh, Baba, remember when we went to Baltimore? Yeah, we got on the dragon ride. Yeah, remember when we went to this mall and we ate at that place? And they can relate. So the knowledge base is infinite. Talk to me about we fatherhood. Take, Talk to oh, me about fatherhood. Okay. You're giving out knowledge. Knowledge is infinite. I respect and I understand that. But talk to me about fatherhood. I want to talk to you about the moments where our kids frustrate us, but we have to remember they're our children. So we have to have a different level of patience. What wise gem could you give us today about that? About that part of fatherhood where there's a moment where you have to be selfless, where you can't do what you want to do. You can't just go in a car and do what you want to do. Talk to me about being a father in that regard. Queen Sabrina who is Baba Maurice's wife, and they have been together for over 20 years. At the time that the family found out that myself and the queen at the time were gonna have children, Queen Sabrina said to me, son, you are going to need a great deal of patience. You're going to have to have a lot of patience with their mother and with the children because it is a lot to do. 
She said, but I know that you are like your father and he has a great deal of patience. And I don't know if she used this exact phrase, but this was the sentiment. You are uniquely qualified for fatherhood. You said, Brother Sheen, patience. And that's in direct alignment and a parallel journey in what Queen Sabrina said. Patience. You, as an adult, as as the parent, should be. And I don't use that word loosely because I don't like telling grown folks what to do. But you should be in the mindset that a child is a learning apparatus of being. They are a sponge for information. And they just ask questions after questions. If your child's not asking questions, there may be something wrong with your child. Either because they are unable to speak or their brain development may be hindered. Now, some people are just quiet. But a child's nature is curiosity. That's why their little brains are growing so rapidly. They're absorbing. And as a parent, you have to appreciate that. So as the parent, if you are not yet a parent and your finances are not what they need to be, I would say to you with great enthusiasm, position yourself as though you are going to have a child in the near future so that you can invest quality and ample time with your child. Especially in the first, from zero to five years or so, those years are most important. That's laying the foundation for who your child will become. Emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically. We all grow and do what we're going to do, but you want to plant the equivalent seeds of greatness in your children. My son and daughter, they both do push-ups every day. My daughter, she does the same amount of push-ups as her brother. Because we don't get caught up in that game. She's a, a little girl. What does that mean? She may have to defend the elder and knock somebody out. <laughs> Talk to me about the you gems know. you give your kids. What kind of gems are you giving them as a father as well right now? Think, plan, execute. And we go into what each of those things mean. Yes. When we talk about money, we talk about earn, save, invest. What is earning money? What is saving money? What is investing money? And why is it so important to the lives in which we live? We talk about know thyself and what that means. So every day I do my best to recall like this morning, Queen, young Queen Nadia, after she's dressed, go in front of the floor mirror and tell yourself positive things. Talk to yourself. That's all I told her because I've already planted the other seed. So Nadia gets in front of the mirror. Young Queen Nadia gets in front of the mirror. You know what she says? I love myself. I'm beautiful. I'm great. I'm motivated. I'm smart. I'm a genius. Why? Because I've already put those seeds in them. She already already has the vocabulary. So when I give her the instruction, now it's being reinforced, not by me, but by herself into herself. Mm. When we buy dolls, I made it a point. We buying black and brown dolls. I don't give a damn what nobody say. That's what we buying. They got enough influence from other people around them in the world we live. So all the dolls that come into my house are black and brown. And you know what my baby girl say? My little queen, she says, Daddy, I like this one. She look just like me. And with a beautiful smile on her face, her hair is just like mine. Right, because it matters. Imagery, psychology. Absolutely, it does matter. I, I think a lot of people are have a misconception about dualities of what Mm. they believe is for us and what was not written for us at all. And Mm. I think people need to realize sometimes that Judas is just not for Jesus. Judas Mm. is also for the people that say you can now come to our school. Mm. You can now drink at our water fountain. Mm. (laughs) You can now, oh, Sally Bay, 
some money from coming to our schools. Okay. It's just different. It's just different things that I agree with you about growing our own personal duality of beauty and what we consider beauty and not what we're told beauty is. That's right. We talk about leaving a legacy, but we mostly ignore one major step. Do you have a will? Do you have a trust? Mm -hmm. Those are very good questions. In fact, I've been posting those questions on in different Facebook groups, in particular groups that are targeted towards black people. Uh, I am in the process of getting those things set up. So I would not say that I have them, but I'm in the process of getting the will and the trust. And I tell when I have these discussions with our community, we need to make sure we have ample life insurance, wills and trusts. And so I too am a work in progress, but best believe it's being put to motion as we talk. In fact, I spoke with my insurance agent last night. So thank you for the reminder to let me know that I'm on the right track and on the right path. Do you believe it's our trauma as a people, our history that disables us from wanting to talk about the preparation of death when death is one of the most absolute things that we know is coming? I think the trauma is one of the things. Um, I think that the discussion about personal money management, financial literacy, wealth creation, accumulation, and transformation, meaning transferring it from one generation to the next, has to become a part of our culture. So I've taken a bit of a personal oath to ensure that with my children and I open up the conversation with those family members that I can open it up with. And so we talk about money like a sports fan would talk about sports. It has to be a normal, regular part of our conversation. Like when we talk about wills, trust and insurance, we don't have to brown beat each other. You know, you need to have that. No, hey, do you love your children? Yes, okay. If something happens to you prematurely, how are they gonna be cared for? Oh, I never thought about that. Okay, well, you love your children, right? Yeah, okay, so what is one way to show and prove that you love your children? Man, I need to have some insurance. A absolutely. Do you need some help finding an agent? May I share with you my information? This could give you some steps in how to do that. We need to talk about credit. Here's how I start my children off with good credit. I first get good credit. Then I add them as an authorized user to my accounts that have the longest standing history with the highest credit limit. So now they're already building credit. So when they turn of a certain age, they already have an 800 credit score. Not to mention whatever we use on the regular basis, Android, Apple, you buy Nike, Adidas, whatever your commercial thing is, whatever store, Walmart, Target, I don't know. I'm not promoting the companies. I'm only saying whatever you use on a frequent basis. And this, that's what you consider buying stock in. Once you have your income straight, you got your life insurance. You know what I mean? Don't go making investments and you don't have any life insurance because life insurance is an investment. Some of these things, it, they just follow in a sequential order. It is what it is. And we make it a part of the culture. Mm. So my brother, do me a favor one more time. Repeat those steps because I think people need to re hear, re need to hear what you just said about those steps. Very important steps to make. Okay. So the first thing is you have to have some form of earned income. You got to generate money. Once you do that, you need to have life insurance the younger you are and in the the better your health i.e non-smoking you know don't 
whatever, got other stuff going on with you, you can get a policy for a relatively low amount of money to start. Um, one of the books that one can read to help out with that is called Millionaire by 30. Now, although it's Millionaire by 30, you don't have to be under 20 to benefit from the information in the book. That's just a great title for the book. But that book goes over the different forms of insurance. But you need to have earned income. You need to have a life insurance policy. You need to have good to excellent credit. Then you need to get your will and a trust. And somewhere in that mix, possibly even before you have the trust, you need to start focusing on creating passive income or buying income producing assets. Coach Hector taught me this part. He said, yeah, well, we use our good and excellent credit to buy income producing assets. Repeat that. Jawar, we use our good and excellent credit to buy income producing assets. Brother Sheen, some of our students generate ten to thirty thousand dollars per month in passive income in three to nine months. Hey, that, that's great. I mean, I mean, but here, here's the question I have for you behind all of that around the circumference of financial stability around us growing as a people. What do we do? How do we educate the wolves of our culture? The people who have not eaten, the hyenas who are starving, who want to come take what you have. How do we have a conversation with them changing their minds to now help them get they can work for instead of take. Um, first, you have to let people know that whatever that they want, they can have in this lifetime. You know, that's the first thing. And then you have to let them know that there's going to be work involved. Everybody has to do their work. Everybody has to do their work. It doesn't matter if you the ant, you a little bit of bacteria. <laughs> if, if you a microorganism, if you a grizzly bear, every living organism has to do their work. Every living organism has to do their work. And then we set in motion a plan. Step one, you got to earn money. You know, you, you got to have some kind of money coming in. Legally, you got to have some kind of money coming in. And in this day and age, there's really no excuse because it's easier now to, to earn money than it ever was before. Literally with your phone, with your smartphone, you can make money. You can make money on your smartphone. After you have earned money, you have to follow the discipline of saving a portion of all you earn. Now, most of us are taught to save 10% of all we earn. I say start where you are and then push yourself beyond that limit. The wealthy save in their initial stages, they save a lot more than 10%. Why is that important? Because the next phase, earn, save, then you invest. You invest a portion of your savings. If you invest before you save, Life is going to happen and it's going to cause you to have to rob from your investment because you didn't have any savings. Case in point, you got a car, your tire blow out. Maybe your tire costs $200, $300, I don't know. But because that money was in your savings, you took it to invest in a cryptocurrency because somebody told you you can make some fast money and now your tire blow out, you don't have no money to get the new tire. Now you got to go take the money from the cryptocurrency or that stock that somebody told you about to go buy your tire. Now the refrigerator go out. Well, you need a refrigerator, so now you got to get a refrigerator. And if you got a wife or got a queen and she said, hey, listen, we need a refrigerator. You can't tell her no. Because she going to go somewhere else. That's what they do. That's what people do. They, they go to where they can get what they need. 
they provisions. So you've got to follow the basic steps, three steps. I like the three. Three is the magic number. Okay, earn, save, invest. And then you save more than your 10% to get there a lot faster. Then you figure out your investment. You want to look for an investment that pays you passive income. I don't care what your occupation is. Cole Hector tells us. It doesn't matter what your occupation is. If you're buying a car that probably costs 40000 or more, and you got to get up and go to work for it every day, you can't afford that car. You need to have passive income to pay for that car note. Now, Ty Cohen teaches us, another one of our millionaire coaching, that he always has somebody else to pay for his things. What does he mean? Well, when he wants to go buy the Jaguar, the Audi, and now the brand new 2020 or 2021 Corvette, I've seen him, known him since having all those vehicles. He goes and creates a product or creates a, a, a coaching program, promotes and markets it online, generates the money, pays for the toy that he wants. And that thing that he created, that new business product or service, keeps making money. An automated system. So not only did he get the toy, but he got the joy in the continued income. Take it a step further, Ty Cohen has taught us that through his uh, 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 professional money managers and research and these kind of things. And this is not financial, legal I don't do that. I'm not a licensed professional in that way. But when you purchase a car in a certain way, i.e. through a lease, those payments can be written off. When you use your vehicle for business expenses, some of those things may be written off. You always want to consult with your professional tax advisor and or CPA to ensure that you're following the law, the letter of the law. And within a proper guidelines, what the point being is the wealthy don't pay for the same. They don't pay for things the same way <laughs> that the middle class and poor people do. They just don't. So so Ty Cohen gets a new car every three to four years. Not only can he afford it, but he can afford it. See, so it, it's a system and a methodology. One of the most important things that we are not taught, and I, I want to say this to you, good brother, because I am knowing and believing based on this conversation that you are one that's entrenched in this philosophy, <laughs> is that personal growth and development is directly tied. Personal growth and development is directly tied to this entire conversation of increased financial prosperity, a better mindset, a better health, a better being, a better family, a better community. All this is tied to personal growth and development. Absolutely. And as my great-great-grandmother, Maddie Burrell, peace be upon her, said, as long as I'm living, I'm learning. As long as I'm living, I'm learning. Let's talk husband and boyfriend and validation information. Let's start with this. What does someone do when there's someone's preparation but not their destination in a relationship? That's deep, brother. Make it plain to me. Well, sometimes a man can date a woman and let's say he she upgrades him and he upgrades himself from her okay. upgrade. And then they reach a breaking point where another woman comes along and now the one who did all the work is not the recipient of the long lasting love of the of the information that she taught him because the next woman was able to uplift the, that man further than what she could. The feeling of that, do men realize that happens? Should we care? Should we stay put? That's a great question for which I don't have much experience in. Absolutely. And, and so what I do not want to do is to pretend that I'm all knowing. Mm. 
I can have an opinion, but I would prefer to let the next guest deal with that because they'll probably be better qualified than I. Well, let me ask you this question. Validation. Okay. From your partner. It's like okay. you win a championship when you meet the right woman. But often we forget to defend the title. And what I mean by that is we start to relax a little bit after we've earned that woman's trust, love, and confidence. We stop working out as much. We we get a little bit lazy. But there's a whole world out there where you compete. You should be competing with the best versions of yourself to be better. How important is validation? How important is it to compete and continue to win her heart in their championship and keep yourself in the best conditions yes I think each of us like a pat on the back a good word um, to feel as though we're making the right decisions and headed in the right direction right and it probably starts when we are young one way or the other. I noticed that my children like to be commended when they do something good. You you want to reward them. So they come to expect that. And that's okay. Except for as they become older, that can't be the thing that triggers them to do what they need to do for themselves. They have to get to a point, they have to grow out of that mechanism into a point that it doesn't matter what anyone says. Mm -hmm. you, you gotta learn how to self-validate based on your being. The only you and only you on this planet Earth. There, were, there has never been none like you. There will never be one exactly like you after you're gone. So says the fingerprint that are different amongst everybody to the best Absolutely. of my knowledge or the best technology that we have today. Yep. No with that being said, <laughs> thank you. With, with that being said, um, if a person does not validate you, that should not persuade you one way or the other. Elaborate on Those that. are ex- those are external influences and any living organism one day will pass through this journey and cease to exist in this physical form so to put your validation in something outside of yourself that you simply have no control over that could send you in the wrong direction one way or the other see because if you expecting people to do something and they don't do it, you upset. Mm -hmm. Right? If you got accustomed to something, hold on for a moment. What's wrong, Nadia? Take your coat off. Why don't you just say that you're hot? Okay, well, you have to communicate. If I don't, you know, you making noises doesn't help me. I, you got to talk. <laughs> Aiden, are you hot? Okay. That's all. <laughs> My son does I mean, that's me. My son does that. See? He just, my son does not. I'm like, why don't you just say something? <laughs> yeah, right. But, that, and that's what the good parenting is, right? Pulling up the trigger and then reminding them over and over again. It's the repetition over and over. The patience. And you say, well, why do you keep doing it? Well, listen, we can say why I keep doing it, but are she doing it? But that's what they do. Mm -hmm. Our job is to have patience and to see them through. So that when they're not with us, they will ask for what they want. They will articulate themselves. Knowing that other people may not care. Or they just focus on something else. They don't even, you know, realize what's going on, so to speak. I know I got off uh, the point. But at the end of the day one should seek validation from their self and that's it any other validation that comes is a nice gesture but it should not tip the scale one way or the other on how you feel about yourself how you think about yourself how you see yourself or anything of that nature 
Absolutely. I do agree with that 100%. Well, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's it, and we can let you get on your way. I came up with something called operating at 100%. And what I mean by that is I came up with five things which are subjective, where each of them are worth 20% each to operate at 100%. It's a daily thing where you add it up mathematically at the end of the week, like you said, math is very important. Where you can try to operate at 100%, where you're looking at your 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 best parts and your weak parts and making them stronger every, stronger every day. The five things I came up with is purpose, health, confidence, money, and knowledge. Did I operate in all of those things today? And if so, how much out of a 20% range did I do it? For example, if I ate right, I worked out, I drank my water, I can give myself a 20% on that. But if you weigh it out from Monday to Sunday and then do the averages, because sometimes you might get caught out there and say, hey, you know, I'm going to give me a, a quick meal from this restaurant. And you know that food is not good for you. Did you operate in your purpose? Did you operate in confidence? Did you operate in money handling correctly? Did you spend frivol frivolously or did you invest and save? My question to you is, within the last 24 hours, if you were applying this to your life, did you operate anywhere near 100%, 20% in each of those categories? Give me the first category. Purpose. Yes. Give me the next category. Health. Yes. Give me the next category. Confidence. Yes. Give me the next category. Money. Why, yes. <laughs> Give me the next category. <laughs> and knowledge. Yes, actually. So you took it, I mean, you had to make sure you took in some new knowledge. Now, I would like you to take this with you. This is one of the things I like to pass on to people that come on the show. I would like you to customize it to your life if you have time. So if you're already good at something, I want you to minimize that percentage and put more percentage on something you are building yourself at. So out of those, I'm not sure which one may be your weakest or if any of those are your weak points. You can add subjectively anything you want. But for me, I'm trying to get my health in a better situation. So I give myself a 40% tag on health because I know I have to work harder to get to that point. In mm -hmm. terms of confidence, knowledge, purpose, and money, I'm doing it right here on Solutions. Mm -hmm. D. I want to tell you, thank you, sir. You are now a part of the Solutions <laughs> Silhouette Boys Club. It is people like you who move in the shadows to help people like me shine. And give yourself a round of applause. Thank you. Before, before you go today, sir, we like to always get a reference, a referral of someone you would love to come on the show to answer these questions, who you feel can give the how, the what, and the knowledge to spread around to our community. Wow, I got so many good brothers. Um, I almost feel a disservice to just name one, but... <laughs> you can name two or three if you like. Yeah, so I'm gonna go with Ty Cohen. I'm going to go with uh, Coach Hector. And I'm going to go with Barry Brown, as I like to call my good brother, Billionaire Brown. We definitely want to use your, your connections to get us in touch with these gentlemen. And you see how the process is, and that's it will go the same way. And we definitely love to get Mr. Ty Cohen, Coach Hector, and Barry Brown on the show. Do you have any uh, reflections you want to give today? Anything you want to say where you can leave information with people, some knowledge you want to tell people to look into or where people can contact you? If you don't want to be contacted, that's great also. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Ordinarily, I would have a wealth of contact information, but you've done such a great uh, job. I would say that anyone that's listening to this broadcast or watching this broadcast, as it were, to contact you and through you they can contact me and one of the things that I would be interested in people contacting me about is if they're interested in learning how some of our students earn ten to thirty thousand dollars per month in passive income 
in three to nine months publishing short ebooks on Amazon Kindle that they do not have to write. Mm. Okay. That sounds like the play. Hey, listen, if it ain't, if it doesn't hurt, you need to try it. If you're trying to change your life, you flip over every stone. There it is. Thank right. you, brother. No I appreciate you having me. Ladies yep. and gentlemen, it's Ja War. This is Solutions. Indeed.